Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. Oh, you got the giggles. And today we're going to talk about um, President Biden's sustainability goals, or have we hit peak climate change? And, and normally I try and be a little silly with the second ones, but this is, this is like serious. I'm thinking, as I was doing a lot of the research on this, and plus I've, I've gotten my mind into just listening to energy podcasts, and I'm, I'm completely um, obsessed. It, obsessed, addicted uh, to these things, which is kind of sad in and of its own. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it's funny because it's, it's gotten me so hopeful. You know, I mean, really? Yeah, it's like everything over the last year has fundamentally changed. And, and I feel like we are over the crest, you know, that roller coaster thing. Uh, You know, things were getting worse, things were getting worse, things were getting worse. And now you've hit peak climate change. And now everything's about to change. We're on the downhill slide of the roller coaster. All of the political um, motivations is in line. All the corporate motivation, uh, modification, mortification, right? The motivation, uh, the um, financial is all there. Technological is the lining up. The problem is you keep saying all the corporate. Well, not all, but, but enough, enough to tip the balance. Yeah, yeah, but the other challenge is this involves humans. Yeah, Humans I'm, that want to have power, humans that have want to have a lot of money at the cost of anything Mm -hmm. and so what's hopeful that's why it's helpful is because green is where the money is green is where the power is and green is 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 where this the next billionaires are going to be formed and and all those things that led to this problem this greed accumulation you know the rockefellers of the world the Carnegie's of the world, yes, those the kind Fords, of guys. Yes. I mean, they were the people who created these systems that caused this massive problem. Well, now the money is in technologies that actually help to solve this problem. They're going to create a whole host of other problems, you know, don't get me wrong. Oh, I'm absolutely convinced yeah. of it. I could take it to the bank. So, so one of the things I wanted to talk about is, is President Biden's goals here and but wait, I want right. to hear about the hopeful part. So what I, is it I, I you get, are hopeful about? I'll get to it. I'll okay. get to it. All right. And I'm going to kind of dismantle this. But of course, you know, the the old um, adage, you can't fix a problem until you can identify it. You can't change something until you can measure it. Things of that nature. So I wanted to do a little research and say, okay, we've all heard that carbon released into the atmosphere. That's kind of the problem. That's what's causing global warming. Um, all, that's kind of at the core of this. So what is it exactly that is releasing carbon into the atmosphere? And it, it, to me anyway, it was a little bit surprising. Uh, not surprising is that energy, the release of energy, uh, accounts for about 73%. You mean of, heat? Well, no, not just heat, but the utilization of energy products like coal, natural gas, oil, those have typically uh, accounted for about three quarters. And in that three quarters, about 17% of it is in buildings. So lighting, heat, air conditioning, you These know. These are so things that generate CO2. Heat. Yeah, in the creation of the electricity or in the burning of the natural gas. 
Um, residential is about 11% of that. Commercial property is about 6.5% of that or 7% of that. Okay, so that's one aspect, but it's really only 17%. Where's agriculture? Because they're they're a big contributor. Agriculture, agriculture and forestry is eighteen point four percent. I was going to say they're a big they're big in yeah. there. and that's that's not just the growing of crops. That's no, deforestation, um, places where they're burning off um, brush in order. Yeah, manure, animals, well, methane, gas from methane. From, yeah, yeah poop. So that's that's actually more than the buildings. Yet the buildings is what we've been focused on. Yep. So so that's an issue. Um, transportation, about 12%. That's cars, trucks. Uh, it, it doesn't include aviation. Aviation is about 2%. So they're, they're getting closer to agriculture's number, too. Right? No, 2%, not 18 No, no, no. If you put a aviation, should be with transportation. Well, and shipping. It's... Shipping is about 1.7%. Yeah. So all of those combined, yeah, 13 14%. Shipping, what's that mean, shipping? Well, you know, those cargo ships that get stuck okay. in the Suez Canal, you know. No, I thought uh, maybe you meant trains, like maybe. shipping, like when you send something from one place to Oh, it. that's part of it, sure. So, but that's amazing to me that that number is that low because, so yesterday I had my first experience with DoorDash. Uh -huh. So I was at our granddaughter's and she said, let's just order lunch and DoorDash will deliver it. And I was thinking, oh my God. So, so there was this energy used, not just the DoorDash is using up somebody's car mileage to bring us this food. But then there's also, it's in a package and, sure. you know, it's like, wow. The agriculture that grew it, the data center that processed I your know, order. I know, but I'm thinking like Amazon, who you order something if you live in an urban area and it comes that afternoon. Sure. I mean, well, that's got to, that number's got to be. Well, I don't think that the higher. shipping includes DoorDash because that would be roadway transportation. But, but it does but include, Amazon. Uh, Amazon part of it, part of that scenario, I would assume is in there, but we don't have to parse down that far. Um, uh, one of the big ones that you never really think about much, at least I don't, is iron and steel, 7.2%. Absolutely. You think about all the energy that's involved in that. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Of all of the industrial stuff, that's going to be about 20% of the carbon released. And of that 20%, so that's really the biggest, that's the biggest chunk yeah. is industry. And of that, 42% of it, so almost half of the biggest chunk of pollution is in um, concrete or steel, cement and steel. Yeah, but we all say right. that all the time when we talk about using I know, cement. because we're wise, but I don't think most people, most people are not thinking. I don't thinking think about that. No, they're not thinking, oh, you know, that. But I'm building a, a building. What's my carbon footprint when I do that? Sure. It, I mean, that should be. That's that sort of resiliency that we're talking about in everything that we do is saying, all right, this is not a resilient building because look at what it's doing to the carbon well, footprint. And concrete reaches its peak curing at some point and then begins to degenerate. Well, but as concrete cures, it actually gives off carbon dioxide. Yeah. So, so it's not a good thing all the way. Here's one I bet you didn't think about. Right. And it's one of the major ones. It's going to be about 15% of all of the carbon emissions is just leakage loss sure i'm sure this is loss when you're drilling a well when you're mining coal when you're transporting oil through pipelines you know about 15% of all this stuff 
is just waste, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was like uh, Buckminster Fuller said, pollution is simply resources that have not been monetized, you know? Yeah. So. Well, I was thinking about Walmart, you know, parking lots are really horrible anyway, contributing heat to the environment. But then these companies like Walmart that have the, or Rural King or whatever, they have these big parking lots and they store all these bags of fertilizer and other chemicals. And then there's, you see the broken bags all the time and they're also leaking out and contributing to pollution. And yeah, I suspect that's not part of that number. They're thinking oh no, more, they're not counting. They're it. thinking like when you drill a gas well and they just let the gas go off and, oh, I and know, they do it burn all it the off. time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even that's better than just letting it go loose, but they, now they don't even cap the wells. They just walk away yeah. and let these things seep out. Yeah, we've seen that over and over. So that's an issue. So, so uh, uncle Joe Biden, he goes and runs for president and he announced that there was a one point, he, he announced his $1.7 trillion uh, sustainability plan. And, and I looked at his website. They've got a nice little video. And it, I was thinking, man, so much happy talk. You know, I mean, it's that typical political, I've been doing this for 40 years. And, uh, you know, if you hire me, I'm going to fix everything. Okay, we need some of it, though. We really do. I know. Well, the minute I'm, I see anything about Donald Trump, I start right, having well, this feeling I got of, some, oh, my God. Okay, well, well, we'll be talking about the T word here in a little bit. But, um, but so Biden says, okay, $1.7 trillion. We're going to go for a net zero economy, basically zero emissions of carbon in all sectors by 2050. Okay, so. but if we don't work towards it, it ain't going to happen. I know, now. that's true. And he said, this is going to create 10 million jobs. Don't doubt that. I hope so. All right. Real jobs, not We're corporate. going to be a shining example to the rest of the world. I don't really care about that. All right. We're going to stop China from polluting. You know, these. what I was getting at is <laughs> well, we like- We better get our own act together Yeah, first. I know, I know. So, so we're looking at this and you're saying, okay, no specifics, just happy goals. That's all good because at least we're moving the conversation yeah. in the right direction. Yeah. But but it wasn't really um, something that I could could uh, get a hold of and say, okay, this is going to make so some real change. Where's the proof change. then? Where's the proof? What's backing right. this up? So January comes along. He's president. And in that first week in office, this is some of the stuff that he did, which... On the surface, it really didn't make any news. I mean, he he joined, he rejoined the Paris Accord, right? Right. Well, that's good PR. The climate, yeah, and that's all it is. Well, I said that earlier. You know, yes, it is. That's, but I don't care. It's still well. He has. He wants to lead the world. He better get his hiney in there. <laughs> right. Well, the the Paris Accord. When I was looking at it and saying, okay, I've heard a lot about the Paris Accord. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all good. What is it really? And and really, like most of these political things that are international in scope. It's like we promise to do our best, to do our duty to God and our country. You know, it's like a little pledge. We're going to try and keep um, uh, temperature changes around the world to less than two degrees. Right. Well, that feels hopeless. But you know what's yeah. really this is about is saying to these other countries, we're going to be on the team. We're going to work towards this. And we're not going to back down. And right. that's what's valuable. It isn't the fact that they're going no, to achieve Once it. again, I think the only thing there is to say we're going to come up with some vague notions, like we're going to reach peak emissions as soon as possible. And that wasn't like my, well, that's the real world. Well, we got to get everybody to agree. Yeah. You know? We're going to set our goals every five years and we're going to come back and tell people what we did 
Well, this is the template they lay down on every government thing. So I don't care. And even the United States couldn't abide by that, which was crazy. So we had him more on for a president. (laughs) So so anyway, so. I'm not going quietly about that. Come on. (laughs) You know, I'm not saying Joe Biden's the best person in the world. But I'm saying I am so over where we have been the last five years. Okay, well, I'm going to give you a chance here to dis... uh, uh, diss him here. In a I'm second. not dissing just okay. him. I'm dissing the whole stupid <laughs> ass system. Oh, excuse my French. All right. So anyway, so January comes along. Join the Paris Peace. That's got all the news. Okay, but that was the least consequential. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Everything he did. <laughs> okay. I mean, lay it I, on remember, me. I promised you this was going to be hopeful. All right. Let's hear it. All right. The second thing that he did, which didn't get a whole lot of uh, press, was. He announced within the federal government they were taking a whole government approach, which basically means that every agency within the federal government in every decision that they make will take climate into account. But this is brilliant because this is what we've been talking about in most of our episodes is it's got to start with the whole picture. Right, this holistic approach. So basically they're saying, okay, every federal agency – Every federal building will only use renewable electricity. All right. That's one from a source, a renewable, a renewable energy source. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is, is huge. huge. We will only be purchasing electric vehicles. So the federal government, so we're seeing now a transition um, with the post office, with the military. I mean, all of this kind of thing. One thing that I would say too. Oh, no, no. Don't, I'll, I'll hold that thought because this right. is another one. We will immediately halt all leasing for oil and gas on federal lands. Oh, yeah. That's huge. Okay. That's really huge. So, so that's a big trifecta for you. And before you get into that thing, I will just do station identification <laughs> here. You are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. Thank God. And and Uncle Joe is helping us out here. So, all right. All right. So what were you going to say? Well, just that I was thinking of that is called trickle down. Because mm-hmm. if you think about what the implications of that, that whole, those three things you listed, the implications of that is a huge trickle down, like research into batteries where there's a real effort instead of just some pretend. Um, these things have long-term implications from day one. Sure. Well, to emphasize that point, the federal government spending, just the infrastructure spending on the federal government accounts for 16.3% of our nation's economy. And when you add in all government spending, it's almost 36%. And usually state and local follows guidelines from federal. So you say, okay, this is the plan. So now Ohio is going to adopt many of them. They may identify certain things they don't want to do. And then if you throw in California, you know, which is always leading the leader. in these mm-hmm. things, they're 14.6% of the, of the national economy. They're the fifth largest economy in the world, if it were a country unto itself. Right. So, so now just, we're over 50%. Yeah, 50% of our economy is now affected by these mandates. These, these mandates, yes. Yeah. And uh, when you throw on top of that some of the things like um, BlackRock, a huge investment company that, that controls about $7 trillion, announcing they're moving to only invest in non-fossil fuel 
assets. I mean, this is why it's so, well, so They also helpful. were eliminating their fossil fuel portfolio. That's, sure, that's sure, the sure. other side of that, the flip side of that. Yeah, but we're focusing basically on, on Joe Biden's things but here. But that has implications for oh, the government as well. Huge. Huge. Huge, huge. And um, so another thing, reverse all of the Trump era nonsense. Okay, that's, that isn't even possible. Let no, me no, you. through executive okay, order. I, you may be talking, you're talking about executive orders, but you cannot reverse what's happened. Well, there's damage to be done. If you break all the plates, you know, you can't put them all back together, but you can sure stop breaking more plates. Yeah, well, and, they're doing their best about that. And, and again, when I was doing the research here, it is absolutely amazing the willful damage that the Trump administration was was pulling. I mean, it wasn't like we're going to ignore some of these things. It was more like we are going to do our level best to destroy this planet well, we know that. every step of the way. Yes. And we've said that from the beginning. But well, I just want to say the whole thing that strikes me about this, because I don't want to talk about the 45th president because it makes me angry just to okay, think about it. Okay, so you'll it. just listen to me talk about no, it. No, but what I do <laughs> want to say is that when you begin to list off the cold, hard facts of what has happened since January 20th when this president was inaugurated, it's almost unbelievable because this is a bureaucracy. It's a huge ship, and usually it takes a hundred days for the ship to get stopped that existed and turn it around and it's not even going the new direction yet. Yeah. And so, you know, and one of the things that everybody talked a lot about when Biden first said he was going to run is he's too old, he's not modern, he's too conservative, whatever. And it strikes me that he's got, in, in order to achieve some of these goals, which are completely measurable and boring to the media, so that's why we don't hear much about it, is... Uh, he, they have to, they have to have climate adaptation people in place in all these agencies, these government agencies, and in all these different places that they're trying to uh, to reach the goal of these these um, things that they've set up, and that's. That is hopeful. You're right about that. Sure. I I'm find it, well, I'm a naysayer when it comes to that about government, but it's hopeful because it's driving the economic train. Well, what they often, uh, an often quoted uh, line is personnel is policy. And what Biden is doing is bringing in personnel that first off have experience at government. So that's a big thing because what, what Trump liked to do, I mean, the whole purpose of that administration was to try and dismantle the established things. And, and so these people didn't even know how it worked. You know, they got in to well, break were it. just self-serving. So that's good because in many respects, they weren't very effective at trying to break these things because they didn't even know how they were put together. So now you're bringing in people who really know how that system works so that they can make these kind of changes fairly rapidly. And, and they're being put at all levels of the administration. And they're actually very, very, very pro-environment, um, pro-sustainability. And, and I know that a lot of the, you know, quote-unquote progressive uh, wing of, of the political spectrum uh, was kind of wanting to diss the Biden administration. But the Republicans are right when saying that, that Joe Biden's administration looks pretty radical when it comes to um, sustainability issues. Well, radical just means at the root of things. Yeah, it's so, radical. So thank it's you radical for that. good. Yeah. Yeah, but the other part of that I think is 
that without, and this is the one thing I will give Trump credit for in a positive way, is that he did dismantle a huge amount of things. And we needed to expose, and COVID helped with this, expose the lies, the in, incompetence, the ineptness that already existed before he even brought in these people that ran these agencies and these departments. And so what happened then is that we have a new administration and there isn't, there's a lot of pieces to be picked up and used instead of having the whole thing still in place. I mean, the government was really broken and is still very broken. I mean, look at the post office. They can't even get Mm -hmm. rid of the guy that Trump appointed. And so the post office has sunk into the swamps and not to come back yet. Well, some of the um, executive actions, and and it was quite remarkable to see just how there were more than a hundred of these uh, acts specifically designed at essentially dismantling any of the environmental programs uh, that were in place. Like, uh, to give you an example, um, that the oil and gas was no longer required to monitor or fix leaking wells, leaking pipes, which we already said accounts for like 15% of all of the CO2 emissions. So Trump administration came in and said, yeah, yeah, all that stuff you're dumping, don't don't worry about it. It's a bother. You know, it costs you guys too much money. Right. And they also repealed the clean water regulations that were put in place, you know, because we don't need water. And and we don't need clean water. They weakened the Endangered Species Act because, you know, because, of course, if you want to construct, you've got to, you know, the animals don't care. Pay attention to the environment. Uh, They allowed dirty coal plants to stay open without meeting the environmental guidelines, which is kind of a thing that ended up not meaning anything because they shut them down because they weren't economical to run. But that was somebody else living. shutting them down. It wasn't the government. Yeah, well, what's really fascinating, and, and I saw this a lot while it was happening, but in, in retrospect as well, a lot of these environmental regulations that they were trying to dismantle, ostensibly to, to support the industries underlying them, the industries didn't want them dismantled. You know, like like the auto emissions things. You know, they came in and said all of these auto emission standards that the Obama administration put in place, we're just going to do away with those. And the automakers were going, yeah, but you know what? We've already retooled. Yeah, we've already done everything to comply. Don't mess with us. Plus, California is going, you know, hey, you don't meet them. We're not buying them. And they're going, well, you know, California's pretty pretty strong pretty market. Pretty big market. <laughs> so <laughs> it's sort of like when people were saying, let's bring back incandescent light bulbs, you know, and because these LEDs, you know, that's a commie plot or whatever. And and you're like, who's gonna remake old technology? You know, I've already retooled for LEDs. Yeah. So yeah. why would I bring? You like easy bake ovens? I mean, you know, I mean, that's that's just silly. So so anyway, so there's a lot of positive things in there where you just simply get rid of those. Uh, He set the goal for the United States, 100% clean electricity by 2035. That's 14 years from now. That's that's almost inconceivable. That's when I bought these shoes. You know, I mean, that's uh, that's just amazing. 14 years ago, because nothing lasts that long for you. (laughs) I mean, you think 14 years, eh, that's a long time, but it's not. No, it's a very short time. uh, Although 2020 lasted 14 years, but but the rest of the years, I think, are going to be quicker. They're going to sail on by. The thing that's hard to think about with that is that, you know, who's going to be the safeguard 
in four years from now that make sure that we reach that goal? Because we well, don't have a choice. Well, it's going to happen. It's happening because of economics. Well, because of industry. Yeah, because we've, we've seen already, um, basically, we're already at 20%. Now, I remember back in 2008, when, when I first started getting involved with solar energy and the like, uh, I saw these um, government predictions saying, our goal is to reach 15% renewable by 2025. That's the goal. Wow. You know, that well. Really, that was outrageous was out to think about. Yeah. yeah. Well, 15%. I mean, that's come and gone. We're up to 20. Well, right away, practically. Yeah. And, and when you're looking at a new technology, I saw one study that said when, because of, its, of the uh, effect of compounding, by the time it reaches a 1% market penetration, it's doubled half the number of times it needs to double wow. in order to become the dominant technology. So, you know, because of compounding, it's sort of like pandemics or whatever. It happens very slowly, and then it happens all at once. Right. Poof. Yeah. And and now we're at say three and a half percent for solar. Next year might be six percent. Year after that, ten percent. Year or after more that, fifteen. If, if battery technology does better. Yeah. Well, in just as an example of battery technology in twenty um, last year, twenty twenty. Um, in the last quarter of 2020, more batteries were installed in the energy system in the United States than in all of the time in history prior. So in that three-month period, the installed base doubled. You know, that's the kind of accelerated. In fact, during the pandemic year, solar expanded 47% in the United States. I mean, that is astounding. I mean, that any industry expanded at all. Yeah. And well, real estate did, went crazy too. But hey, so let's go on because I want to hear about green cement. <laughs> green cement. Okay. So I, I was looking at some of the technologies that are going to be there. All right. We're, we're already talking about renewables. So the electrification. Well, what's renewables? Just tell well, me. Because sometimes really, the definition changes when they start putting natural gas in no, there. No, I'm like, wait. No, that's a, that's a greenwashing attempt. No, we're really, when we're talking about it, when I'm talking about it, I'm saying wind and solar. But the government is talking about wind and solar and natural gas? No, they talk uh, about nuclear. They always throw nuclear in. Aye, aye, aye. But nuclear, again, I'll just keep saying it's dead. And it, it really is dead. Um, no matter how many times people try and write a grant. you know. So, so anyway, so you've got wind and solar. Wind and solar are going to be the dominant renewable energy source with some sort of energy storage built in. You've got the electrical vehicle, which is going to dominate yeah, the, really the transportation mm -hmm. center. This is all part of the electrify everything. Yeah. So you say, all right, today our buildings, our electrical industry is a mixture of renewables, 20% and dirty, you know, maybe 80%. How do we get to where we electrify everything so you no longer have natural gas heating? You no longer have petroleum in your automobiles? They're still putting natural gas into new homes. No, but there are bans for that right now. California just started saying all new construction, no natural gas, right? You're not allowed to even put new pipes in. And the natural gas industry is freaking out about this, and they're starting their cooking they didn't with gas see it thing. Coming? Nah, well, you know, they're they're we've seen it coming. They're a dying them. industry, and they're trying to hold on. Yeah, well, you know, that's what they do. So, um, so we're we're finding that there's a lot of problems with natural gas in homes. I mean, the indoor air quality of a typical American home is is actually two to five times more polluted than outdoors. 
So it's so anyway. So really quick, I'll talk about green cement. Green cement. I really want to hear about green there cement. There are some new technologies there where instead of releasing CO two, they've got a new product that absorbs CO two oh. as it cures into the building. Though no, no into it? the concrete. Yeah, but then it's in the building. No, but it's being sequestered, just like it's in the ground. They well, won't let it, let go of it. What no. happens when the building gets torn down? Uh, it never gets torn down. Then you've That's got green steel. <laughs> You've got green steel, which is already a quarter of the steel produced, uses electric arc furnaces by recycling old steel instead of uh, blast furnaces, which adds to it. So all this new technology, all these things, it's all good. Um, and we'll close with that. Everything's good. And, and let's thank Uncle Joe for that. And I want to thank you for listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our producer, Adam Rich, and we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and eat your vegetables. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com. Yeah.